Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, how important the Old Testament is to understanding the New. Now, I'll speak here a little bit for my fellow Catholics. We tend not to be that strong when it comes to the Bible, and I say it to our shame. Often I'll talk to my Protestant brothers and sisters and I'll I'll realize how much better they are at knowing the Bible than most Catholics are. Keep in mind that the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, was the world that Jesus moved in. It was the air he breathed. The books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The great historical books that told the story of the Israelite people. Joshua and Judges, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles. The wisdom literature, the Psalms, how often they were on the lips of Jesus. The book of Job, the Song of Songs, the book of wisdom. The prophetic books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. How often Jesus compared himself to them. He claimed to be a prophet. He knew the Bible intimately. And it was the intellectual, spiritual, and cultural world that he moved in. Therefore, in order to understand him, we must understand the Old Testament. Now, the church gives us this opportunity on a regular basis because the way it organizes the readings... It will always juxtapose the gospel with a passage from the Old Testament. And usually it's the Old Testament passage that is shedding interpretive light on the gospel. Today we have a very interesting and very helpful juxtaposition. The gospel is that familiar story, we know it well, of Peter's confession when he confesses Jesus to be the Messiah. But... The Old Testament reading, which sheds interpretive light on it, is taken from the book of the prophet Zechariah. Now again, I'd wager probably most of us don't know much about the book of the prophet Zechariah, but it was very important to Jesus himself. Just a word about it. Zechariah is one of the minor prophets. It doesn't mean minor in significance. It just means his book is shorter than those of the major prophets. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Zechariah is writing probably around the year 500 B.C., just a little bit after the return of the Jews from exile in Babylon. What do we find when we read the book of Zechariah? Well, it's a difficult book. It's confusing in some ways, full of a jumble of different images. But it is an apocalyptic book. What I mean is, it's a book about the consummation of things. When God's order and God's way is established. What does Zechariah envision? He envisions 
all the tribes of Israel gathered. It, it scandalized the ancient Israelites that their tribes had been dispersed, that they were exiled around the world. So part of the vision was the tribes come together. The capital, the holy city of Jerusalem. Having gathered Israel, God will defeat the enemies of His way and He will gather the righteous nations around Him. And all of it under the direction, the inspired leadership of the Mashiach, the anointed, the Messiah. There's Zechariah's vision of things. The messianic consummation of all things around a properly constituted Jerusalem. Did Jesus know this book? Absolutely. How do we know? From so many details in it that provide a sort of interpretive lens through which to read Jesus himself. Listen now just to a couple. Here's the last line of the book of the prophet Zechariah. On that day, that means the great day of the Messiah, on that day, there shall no longer be any merchant in the house of the Lord of hosts. The merchants out of the temple. How about this detail from the ninth chapter? See, your king shall come to you. A just savior is he, meek and riding on an ass, on a colt, the foal of an ass. Those two little details. Oh, Jesus took them in. Because when he arrived, listen, in the holy city of Jerusalem, to complete his task as Messiah, how did he arrive? He arrived humbly. Not on a charger, not riding like a victorious king, but coming just as Zechariah said, on a donkey, in humility. And then, when he arrived in the holy city, at the consummation of his messianic mission, the first thing he did was he went to the temple and he expelled the merchants from it, just as Zechariah said he would. Jesus, taking this text clearly as an indication, as an interpretation of what he would be as Messiah. You know, the British biblical scholar N.T. Wright, whom I admire enormously, I think he's wonderful, he says that, this book is a kind of interpretive grid for the whole of Jesus' ministry. That the young man, Jesus, read it with great interest, obviously, and used it to interpret his own life. Now, what's at the heart of the book of the prophet Zechariah? What's at the heart of it? Listen, and it's right at the center of our reading for today. On the day of fulfillment... On the day of consummation, the day of the Messiah, listen. They shall look on him whom they have thrust through, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they shall grieve over him as one grieves over a firstborn. Now, this is a head-scratcher. You know, this is the Messiah, the King. This is the consummation of all things. God's order has been established. The enemies of Israel have been defeated. The tribes are gathered. 
And he's been thrust through. He's been pierced. He's been killed. And we're filled with mourning. What is going on here? I thought this was the victorious Messiah. Hmm. There's a strange strain that you can find in the Old Testament. Not everywhere, but consistently in various texts. Here's another example of it from the book of the prophet Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Listen, as he describes the Messiah, there was in him no stately bearing to make us look at him, nor appearance that would attract us to him. He was spurned and avoided by men, a man of suffering, accustomed to infirmity. Listen, he was pierced for our offenses, crushed for our sins. This motif that we can see in Zechariah as well, that the Messiah would be a victor, yes, yes, a conqueror, but precisely by being killed. A David-like king, yes, who would conquer the enemies of Israel, yes, and gather the tribes, yes, and would do it by being killed. God, how strange that is. How strange that is. Who would have imagined such a thing? I can't find it anywhere else in the, in the religions of the world that the victorious figure would be someone killed. Christians, it's only against this rich background that we can begin to understand what's going on in the Gospel. Now let's go back to this familiar passage from Luke. Jesus interrogates His disciples. Who do people say that I am? Oh, some say Moses, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. And you? Who do you say I am? They fall silent, except for Peter. Peter speaks for them all. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Through an extraordinary act of grace-filled intuition, Peter knows you are not just one more of the prophets. You are not just another in a long line of teachers. You are the Mashiach. You're the one that our whole tradition has been waiting for. You are the new David. You are the new Solomon. You are the gatherer of the tribes, the one who will defeat the enemies of Israel. You are the Savior of the world. He sees it correctly. But then, what does Jesus add immediately? Listen. The Son of Man must endure many sufferings be rejected by the elders, the high priests, and the scribes, and be put to death. Exactly what we heard in Zechariah. They look upon one whom they have thrust through. Exactly what you find in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. One who's been pierced for our offenses. Reiterated here by Jesus. Yes, I am the Messiah. And I am one who will reign and rule precisely by being killed. Now we understand this. It's the whole of Christianity. How did Jesus defeat the enemies of Israel? Not by fighting with their own weapons. No. He defeated them 
by taking on the worst they could give him. He took on the full fury of Rome. He took on the full rejection of his own people. Here we hear it, right? The priests and the scribes. He took on all the rejection of the world. Did not fight back using the familiar weapons, but rather absorbed all of this violence and all of this hatred in his divine love. And in the resurrection from the dead, he showed that he had conquered it. God's love, God's forgiveness is greater than anything which is in the world, greater than any power or force in the world. And that was revealed, listen now, precisely by his being killed by the powers of the world. Only in that could Jesus unmask them and disempower them. And now we see why and how these Old Testament prophecies are true. They will look upon one whom they have thrust through, like that soldier who put a lance in the side of the Lord, thrusting him through. He was pierced for our offenses, crushed for our sins. Now we know what that means. Jesus pierced and crushed on the cross. The impossibly good news, strange good news, is that this pierced, conquered, killed figure, the Lamb standing as though slain, as the book of Revelation puts it, is the King of the world, is the gatherer of the tribes, is the one who conquers all the false powers. It is this Messiah that we honor and this Messiah that we hold up, the Lamb standing as though slain, the conqueror of the powers of the world. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.